Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Via that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Kat Hontas, to our show today. Kat is the co-founder of 21 Seeds, one of the fastest growing flavored tequilas. Kat's had an interesting journey from thinking she wanted to be a doctor, then pivoting to the entertainment industry, then being a stay-at-home mom for many years. She never would have thought that she'd launch a business in the liquor industry. It wasn't until she started noticing that her evening wine wasn't making her feel good and her doctor recommended that she move away from fermented spirits and into distilled spirits. In the process of exploring tequila options, Kat came up with the idea to start 21 Seeds Tequila, a fresh natural tequila made with real fruit. She was making this in her kitchen for years until one day the demand became so much that her friend inspired her to start selling the bottles. This sparked the idea and Kat co-founded the business with her sister and good friend to make it a reality. The business was then acquired by Diageo in just three years in March 2022, and the deal marked one of the largest female-founded liquor acquisitions to date. In this episode, Kat opens up about her journey with imposter syndrome and tips on how she overcame that throughout her career in the entertainment industry and then in her entrepreneurial journey. She also shares the biggest learnings she had launching her production company and how she's translated those skills despite being in a different industry in her latest business. Kat vulnerably discusses about how transitioning from a stay-at-home mom to launching 21 Seeds was one of the biggest and most bold decisions she's ever made. She also walks through the steps she took to find a distillery with no connections, how she created product market fit, and built a solid network that really helped propel and support the growth of her business. Kat ends the interview by sharing the playbook she used in marketing and the importance of knowing your customer, which she credits was a huge reason they had so much success early on. And so much more. Welcome to the show, Kat. It is so good to be here, Yasmin. And we were just saying there's these been these crazy thunderstorms on the East Coast. So if we uh, if it gets a little glitchy, just stay with us, guys. We promise. <laughs> We promise we're going to spit it out. They'll get a real behind the scenes of what goes into all this with technology and everything. So I love it. So what I really admire about you, Kat, is just this fundamental belief you've always had within yourself. And maybe at least from the outside, that's what it looks like from my perspective. But I'm curious, what do you think are maybe some of the reasons that might be holding women back and really pushing them to think that they might not be good enough to really go after their biggest goals and dreams? That's such a great question because I think... So often, just as women, we we tend to more than men suffer from imposter syndrome. Like, you know, if a guy is has like three of the ten things you need uh, to apply for this job, he applies. Women feel like they need to have twelve of the ten things in order to apply for a job. The time I suffered from it the most, um, and that's what I think the answer to your question is: it's imposter syndrome. It's sort of this: I'm not good enough. Like, I don't know enough. What if I get it wrong? Or what if I fail? But really, I think it's it's like: what if I just don't know enough to to do the job? When I worked in the entertainment industry, which was my whole first career, was actually in the entertainment industry. I didn't go to film school. You know, I was pre med, so. I even changed, I even pivoted from what I had studied in school and decided I wanted to go in the film industry. And so I had no training whatsoever in film. I didn't know history of film, none of that stuff. And so when I got into, you know, I got a job at CAA, which was the biggest uh, talent agency in Hollywood. And I was in the training program there, which was very, you know, hard to get into. And I'd gotten into it. And then I got promoted onto a desk. And at, when I was on the desk, I actually almost, I would stutter. I would begin to stutter. I was so nervous about just, I want to get it right. I want to get it right. I don't want to disappoint my boss. And then finally, I just had this epiphany where I thought, you know what? I am a member of the movie going audience, just like everyone else out there, right? And I thought, I have just, I can't get this wrong. Like if I like it, I like it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm a member of the movie going audience. I have just as much a right to an opinion here as anyone else who's gone to film school, right? Like, and it just, it just literally was that simple for me. It's sort of putting yourself, you know, in this role where you're just like, 
okay, what do you need to, to know uh, to get this job done? And, and really breaking that down to the most basic level, right? Like you don't need to be an expert. Like what's the minimum you need to know to be able to attempt to get this done? And start there as opposed to what's everything I need to know and thinking through every single exception and every single outlier. We do that as women. Don't do that. Men don't do that. Men are like, what's the (laughs) most basic thing I need to know? Do I have those qualifications? Yes, then go for it. And that really like changed it for me and made it so that with everything I did from that point forward, I took on that, that thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm laughing. I actually saw Jerry Seinfeld do a skit about like women's brains and how like in a most beautiful way, we're always so thoughtful of people, but we also have like hypothetical situations. And what if this happens? And it was funny, but it's true. And it's so fascinating because when you said that, I mean, I definitely operate in that way. Running a business or starting a business with that mentality is going to be the toughest thing. So to hear that you were working on really just thinking about like the right next step and not getting so boggled down about every little detail. Cause that is why we don't go for certain things. Cause it can feel very overwhelming. Even to this day, I run a business and I have to consciously hold myself back from thinking about things. Cause then I could get very overwhelmed and I'm like, all right, Yasmin, let's take that first step. So I think you crafting that in that job is really interesting because it only served you kind of later in your life as well. But let's talk about, you know, pre-med. I always love these major career shifts. Cause I always think we're always rediscovering ourselves and our interests. And it's always okay to take leap and bounds and pivots. So tell me more about the thought process of you wanting to go to med school and then legitimately pivoting to the other side and going into entertainment. Uh, yeah. So it was really crazy. So I was pre-med at UCLA and um, I actually love science. I love, I'm a, I'm a super curious person and I like to go deep, 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 deep on stuff. Uh, and my co-founders actually in 21 Seeds are infused tequila, which is the really exciting part of this whole uh, story. They always joke because when we were sort of exploring this and thinking about how does one make tequila and all of that, I would send them all these articles and all this stuff. And they're just like, oh, there she goes again. But so I, I do love the study of science. Science. So for me, even though I had made the choice that I didn't want to be a doctor, you know, I had interned as part of training uh, to go to medical school. You know, you have to do internships both in, both in hospitals and um, usually with, you know, some sort of a, a, a doctor that um, specializes in something. And in working with doctors, which I, that's, I highly recommend anyone out there, if you're thinking about doing anything, the more you get exposed to people that work in the space that you're going into, the better. And the earlier do you do that, the better. And by the way, it's never too late. You can always be an apprentice. Everyone's looking for help, by the way. Everyone's looking for help. So don't be afraid to just say, hey, do you need some help with that? You want to get into an interior design? Just ask, find an interior designer. Ask if you can be an intern, even if you're a mom. Go for it, you know? So anyway, I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. I did get my degree in psychobiology. Um, so I still ended up you know, graduating in that space. But um, while I was at UCLA, my boyfriend at the time, actually, his father was a very, very famous screenwriter. And, uh, you know, he wrote Forrest Gump and The Insider and Ali, Munich, big, big movies. I'm an immigrant in this country, right? I moved here from Greece when I was a kid. And as I think a lot of uh, children of immigrants and immigrants uh, that were children that came over, you kind of are, um, you know, in our households, it's sort of like, okay, are you good at science, math? Uh, or negotiating and uh, arguing. So you could be a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant. You know, like that was it. So for me, it was, it didn't even occur to me that you could, you know, make a living making movies. Like that wasn't even on the table for me. Nobody had ever exposed me to anything like that. And so when I was at UCLA, I, you know, I, I was introduced to this whole world that just blew me away. I was like, oh my God, I love to tell stories. At the end of the day, you know, even again, our, our, brand, 21 Seeds, right? Yes, it's an infused tequila, but really at the core, we're just telling a story. We're storytellers, you know, or at least I'm a storyteller. And that's really what I brought to our brand. And it's really what I realized that I bring to kind of everything that I do, whether I'm, you know, decorating a house for us, for me and my family to live in. I always think about like, who lives in this house? You know, what's the setting? You know, I think like in, in stories. And, um, and so I was really drawn to the entertainment industry because of that. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know you could tell stories and make a living at it. So that was really exciting for me. And I changed my mind and my mom was like, you're doing what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going into the mailroom and I'm making minimum wage. Yes. 
but because you work so many hours, it's actually, you can make a living wage out of it. Oh my God. You know, and it's so amazing just to hear your mom's story. I know I'm kind of pivoting back, but like moving here from Greece as a single mom, I believe three daughters, right? There's yeah. three of you. She, and she really started from the ground up as like a seam seamstress and then really worked her way up to like a successful career and really established herself. So, you know, I would imagine she's like, wait, what you're working in a mailroom? Like I killed myself for you guys, but did she end up coming around or, or did you kind of put blinders on your, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And it's just my life. Like, how did you think about that with your mom? Yeah. I mean, I, I think she sort of, I think she trusted us. I think she raised us right. She raised us to work hard. She knew that we were going to work hard. We'd always worked hard. We'd always had a job, even when we were young kids. You know, we we babysat. You know, we did dishes. We pulled weeds. We had chores in the house. You know, we did all that. So we were really we worked hard from a very young age. So I think she knew that she had instilled that really good work ethic in us. So she thought, if you know, if this is really her passion and this is what she wants to do, she was like skeptically optimistic, I would put it, you know, like, okay, yeah. let's see. And certainly there were like timelines, right? Like, okay, well, if you, you know, if, if we're not seeing like a path to success at what point, you know, she would be, she asked me at what point are you going to like leave that and get a real job, you know? So it was, it was, you know, but it worked out. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm curious because you ended up, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, you were in CAA, which is like a prominent firm. Yes, you start from the mailroom, but you really worked your way up. And then you actually ended up leaving to start your own production company. I know there's a lot of learnings there. And that was really like your first foray into, you know, I would say entrepreneurship. So maybe at a high level, you can share more about, you know, that business that you launched and maybe some of the biggest business lessons you kind of learned in that era of your life. Absolutely. So, you know, I was at CAA, then I went to Three Arts, which was a management production company and left there. And really the, the main thing for me is I really, I was not a good employee. You know, that was my problem. I learned what I could learn very quickly. And then I kind of got, I would get bored and there's a lot of like paying your dues in the entertainment industry. And I think there's a lot of paying your dues in a lot of industries. And I don't mind like hard work and doing that, but like I was rearing to go, you know, like I, I just sort of felt like I could do this, you know, and again, just sort of thinking at the basic level, like I felt like I could find material, I could, you know, raise money, go out there and find people to invest in these films. Um, you know, I could sell, you know, actors and directors on these concepts. And I, those are kind of like the basic things that you need to do to become a producer. And so we, you know, I partnered with a, a friend of mine that I'd met at CA and we just went for it. And uh, I mean, we learned a, a lot. There was a lot that was really out of our control. There is more luck in the entertainment industry, I would say, than anything else because timing. And I think that's the first place I learned that you do need to have luck Lady Luck go your way, you know, step into your direction um, with really any industry to be successful. Again, it happened to us with 21 Seeds as well. Like, you know, we did stumble uh, into a lucky situation. It was not a great situation for everyone in that it was COVID. COVID really helped 21 Seeds because people got tired of drinking wine, you know, and that was like our whole value proposition was like, hey, you know, this is a great alternative to wine. And so during COVID, people didn't really want to drink wine anymore. And so they found 21 seeds. So we got lucky. And I think that was part of our success. And um, in the entertainment industry, same thing. Like you needed to make sure that the actors were available when you needed them. The director that you wanted was available. And all of that was like timing and luck. So, um, so I was really proud of what we did in that space because, again, we were kind of the underdog, you know, independent, same thing we did with 21 Seeds. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot of these themes running in, uh, in, in my life. Uh, but we made a really incredible film that I'm super proud of called Taking Five about two high school boys that kidnap or sorry, two high school girls who kidnap a boy band. Um, and, and there you go again, right? It's all about girls, girls call the shots and 21 seeds and girls call the shots, uh, in this movie. And that's another theme. I love female heroes. So anyway, so we made this film, you can rent it on Apple. It's great. Uh, and, uh, we had a great time making it and, you know, we took it to Tribeca and now lives in the world forever. And that's another theme you'll see with me is I like to, I like to get into industries where there's something you tangible you leave behind. So film and taking five and now infused tequila with 21 seats. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. 
I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. I love that. And I love that you said there are certain themes that you're going to see throughout your life because so much of me, even like being in different industries, there is a lot of things you can pull from your skill sets and your interests that still apply to so many different industries or ideas you have. So I love that you mentioned that. And I, I know we'll continue to see that throughout your story. So I'm curious, you know, you launched this film, you clearly are passionate about it. You like the industry, you're working with your friends, you founded this production company. What was the impetus for you to be like, all right, this isn't something that I want to pursue long term and kind of thinking about the next phase in your life there. So again, as women, I do believe we can have it all, but not at the same time. I think that's just a practical approach. And at this point in my life, I'd just gotten married. You know, I'd made Taking Five, which was, I'd been in the industry for 15 years. I'd made this film, which was, oh, thank God I made it because I wouldn't have been able to leave the industry had I not made a tangible film that saw the light of day. You know, I applaud any film that gets made because it's really tough. It's really tough. It's a very hard industry. And, um, and so I, you know, we wanted to start a family and I knew that, you know, being a Greek mom and coming from a big Greek family, you know, um, I knew I wanted to spend time with my kids and raise, you know, be there with them when they were little. So, um, I thought it was a good time to sort of exit at that point and start our family. And that's what I did. And it was, you know, I, I kind of knew it was bittersweet because, you know, the entertainment industry is like a bullet train. It does not stop. And the minute you step off of it, it's like past, it's gonzo, you know, it is gonzo. And I knew that ultimately, um, you know, I knew I'd want to do something again after I raised the kids, I'd want to go back. And I knew that, you know, it probably wasn't going to be an entertainment because all of the folks that I had, you know, my whole network that I had spent the past 15 years sort of nurturing those people leave, new people come and go. It's a very fluid industry. And so I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to have a career in entertainment, but it's, you know, it's a choice that I made and obviously don't regret spending time with the kids. Um, and so was able to do that. Yeah. And I love that in your gut, you kind of knew, you know, I've definitely had a few women on the podcast who were in entertainment or actresses and just seeing the rejection that you face. And even to your point, like getting to the point of you actually launching a movie is such a big deal. I, I was meeting with a friend and she's always wanted to be a screenwriter. So many different opportunities, she's written something and nothing has picked up. And she's like, it's the most grueling thing. So just to see that success that you've done is a big deal. And then also knowing like, this might not be something I'm going to pursue in the future, but I'm going to just be with my family. This That made sense for you at the time. And I know I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but when you were home with your kids and a stay-at-home mom, you were dealing with some health issues. Tell me more about that because that's really when the slow idea for 21 Seeds was kind of brewing in your mind. 100%. Uh, so, you know, I was, uh, I, at this point, I'd had, I had two kids, my two, my two children. I have a son, Elias, my daughter, Abigail. And I was at the time about 35 years old. I'm 50 now, five zero guys. I just turned the big five zero. Um, I gotta tell you, I think 50 is the new 40. 40, hundred percent, hundred percent. Feel great. Um, I'm looking to hit a hundred. Anyway, yes. that's yes. a different podcast, right? Yes. Um, maybe that's the next chapter. Uh, but anyway, so I was drinking wine at the time. Like that was what I would. I, I woke up and love my coffee. I'm obsessed with coffee and I'm quite a coffee connoisseur. And I would like at the end of my day, I wanted to relax and unwind. And the way I would was doing that at the time was I'd have a, a glass of wine, uh, usually at the end of the day, and then usually a glass of wine while I was cooking dinner or something. And again, right when I turned about 35 years old, it just 
stopped agreeing with me. You know, I was, I was getting like, I was getting some headaches. I was uh, having trouble sleeping. So just different things. And um, I started really like, again, digging into it because you know me, I'm super curious and like went deep, deep, deep. And there's just a lot of organic living material in fermented spirits, a big category like champagne, wine, beer, sake, that just kind of as you get older, your body, you know, your metabolism changes a bit. Um, It just gets harder to metabolize. And so for all of us, really, and that's what I found to be the case. It wasn't just me. So many, when we launched 21 Seeds and that sort of came out like as as the reason why I kind of started infusing tequila. Um, I I cannot tell you, Yasmin, how many people I heard from, uh, women in particular, right, that just were like, oh, thank God, something else to drink besides wine because we can't drink wine anymore. So I literally was like, I saw a lot of my girlfriends um, switching, first of all, over to a distilled spirit, which what is what tequila is. And it's just, again, when you distill, you burn off the alcohol, right? You boil it away. And so there's nothing living in it anymore. So it's just a cleaner. Um, And so I thought, okay, I saw a lot of my girlfriends switching to tequila, but I got to tell you, I thought tequila was harsh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't drinking a ton of stuff. I just wanted something, one glass of something that was delicious, right? At the end of my night. And, um, man, I, so I would splurge and buy the nicest tequilas and I just found them all to be so harsh and to get them to be sort of as smooth and easy to drink as a glass of wine, I was having to do so much to them. And I thought, Oh, I can't, this is a lot of work. I'm a mom. It's at the end of my day. I don't want to do more work. I just want to relax and unwind and have something that's easy to, to mix maybe with some club soda at most, you know? And so I love to cook. And I thought, what if I just put some fruit in this, in this tequila, what will happen? You know? And, um, I, I grabbed my Brita, which, um, I took the guts out cause I just wanted to make a big batch of it. And I just took Blanco tequila and threw in some, um, some different fruit combinations and let it sit and, and started infusing tequila. And when I tell you that it completely changed the way that this spirit tasted, it completely smoothed it out. It smelled totally delicious and fresh, like the things I was infusing it with. It didn't smell like tequila anymore, but it was still tequila. It was still a distilled spirit, a Blanco, a white distilled spirit. So, um, you know, you want to stick to that versus the age stuff um, just because there's stuff in the barrels that leaches in that can, you know, react with your body as well, give you some trouble. But, um, I did this and I just, I even poured it. I would make a spritz. I, we, we call it now a seed and soda, but basically it was like, I would take one ounce of this infused tequila, top it off with club soda, put, use a slice, a giant slice of orange. Cause I love orange versus lime is so acidic. So I prefer orange and put that all with some ice in a gorgeous wine glass. And I was having a spritz. It was as easy to drink as a glass of wine. And it was only half the calories, 59 calories for all that right? So it was like half the calories of a glass of wine. And I could enjoy a delicious, delicious spritz that was super easy to drink. And that's what I started doing. And then of course, word got out and all my girlfriends were like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, can you make me a batch? Can you make me a batch? And, you know, and I was, you know, I was making all these different flavors of infused tequilas, right? I was doing, my very first one was cucumber jalapeno actually. Oh, nice which is our bestseller now, uh, ironically. Uh, I don't think that happens often. Usually it's like third time's the charm. In this case, it was like the first time out the gate was the charm. Uh, but, you know, the, we have a Valencia orange one. We have a grapefruit hibiscus one. And all of these were, you know, infusions I was making at home. And my girlfriends were loving them because they not only would, they could drink them as an easy spritz, but they could also just add, you know, a splash of simple syrup, and say a squeeze of lime. And that was all you needed. And you had like a skinny margarita and you could, you could add a hundred different flavored club sodas and make, you know, so many different kinds of cocktails all so easy. And these were all mom friends of mine. And they were like, this is so easy in my life. I don't have to like, it's not complicated. I don't have to be a mixologist to use this. And back then it was just called Cat's Tequila. And now it's called 21 Seeds. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. And I'm so curious. And I don't know if I read this properly. So you, you know, created this for yourself. All your friends loved it. Like clearly there's 
an interest in what you're creating, but it was many years until you really started a business. So tell us more about, you know, when you started it, because I think people who are listening are like, okay, cool. Another founder story. She started something, her friends liked it. They launched her first SKU did well. Like I know there's many years that go behind the scenes of that. So maybe you can kind of paint the picture. Cause I always find that super fascinating. Totally. It's like a 19 hour labor and then the baby comes out yeah. <laughs> really fast. But then she had that baby in 30 minutes, just popped out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about the labor. Uh, but, but basically, uh, you are absolutely right. This was not an overnight success story. We, I was infusing this at my house, making this infused tequila for nine years before wow. I even thought to turn it into a business. Like I wasn't really thinking to turn it into a business yet because the kids were still you know, not, not that they weren't sort of, I like to call it like they weren't cooked yet, you know, like ready to send them out into the world. So I wasn't really ready to go back to work. And so I wasn't really thinking about it in that context. I was just really trying to solve my own problem with wine. Right. So I was truly looking for something delicious to replace my nightly glass of wine. And it really was because so many of my girlfriends, like I, I started to notice like so many of my girlfriends switching from wine and champagne in particular over to tequila right and when we were out you know out at a bar if we weren't drinking this at home i would notice that they weren't sipping it you know and at the time the innovation was sipping tequila you know like you sip it like a scotch or a whiskey but they were drinking it like how i i was making my spritzes at home and how they were drinking the spritzes at home they would have you know say tequila soda three limes tequila soda you know squeeze of juice like that's how they were ordering it. So I thought, because I started to notice this, I thought, you know, there is probably a market for this. Like if we could just take away that extra step and make this super easy for people and they could just take this infused tequila and add any number of different club sodas, whether it's a flavored club soda or just a plain club soda, you know, and then make an easy margarita, you know, with just a splash of simple syrup and a splash of lime juice. Like that actually solves a big problem for people, right? Because I think there are a lot of people out there who are very intimidated by spirits, right? Like hard alcohol. They don't know what to do with it. And I think that was a big thing that we solved for people with 21 Seeds was that like, hey, it's not that complicated. Like you can't mess it up. Like you really can't go wrong with this. You know, uh, all you have to do is just do a shot and add, you know, some club soda, a splash of this, a splash of that, and you're good. Because we did this hard work of infusing it and smoothing it out so tremendously. Nine times, like the nine out of 10 things you're putting in a cocktail, say, are to smooth out the harshness of the alcohol. And we had already done that with the infusion. So it just became so easy. And I was getting that feedback from my friends too, like, God, this is so easy to use. And then they started to feel badly for me because my kitchen started to look like a lab. And they're like, what do you, you know, my husband's like, how many bottles are you making? You know, for, because I was making so many bottles for so many friends. They're like, wow. oh, you're making a batch. Can you make me a batch? And finally, one of my friends was just like, you know, if you just make it, if you just make this stuff and sell it, we can just buy it at the store and you don't have to make it for us anymore. And I thought, you know what? Let me look into this. Like, what is it? How does, how does one start a tequila company, you know? And at that point, I had no idea. And I certainly knew I wasn't going to do it by myself. So I need to go find some partners, which I went out and found. Um, and I can tell you about those two lovely ladies. I love partnering with women. You'll that's, I partnered with women when I started my production company. You know, I, I love working with women. Um, men are also great, but I do yeah. love working with women. <laughs> I love it. And so that's helpful because I think, you know, so many of us sometimes have this idea and, you know, it took you nine years and, you know, building that demand amongst your friends and someone kind of planting that seed no pun intended with 21 seeds, but like in your brain, you're like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm a place, I'm at a place in my life where I can maybe start looking into this. And I love that you said you immediately thought, who should my partners be? Because I think starting a business, we sometimes put all this pressure in ourselves. Like, gosh, I, I'm not the expert or I can't do it alone. And I think we forget, oh, an option is to find co-founders or partners. So tell us more about what you were thinking and who those women are that you partnered with. Totally. So, um, I have the two most amazing co-founders, uh, in my sister, Nicole, and our girlfriend, Sarika. And um, I basically knew, you know, I knew what I was good at. I knew I was a very good storyteller, which is marketing. I mean, that's what marketing is, right, guys? If you want to build a brand, you got to tell a story and you got to get people to get ex be excited about that story that you're telling. And um, 
So I knew I, I was really good at that. And I was really good at taste, like tasting things. I don't even know what the term is, is like, I'm a good taster. Uh, I did not know that about myself until I sort of went, started going down this journey of like really, you know, creating the product for, you know, commercially. But like, I was always the person in the group where, you know, if we order drinks, I'd be like, okay, can we make it like this? Can you less that, more of that, that. And everyone's sitting around and they're like, oh God, that took a half hour. Just whatever she's ordering, like we'll do six of those, right? Because I'm that person. <laughs> I'm that person with, with when it comes to cocktails and co- just liquids, right? And so I was very good at making cocktails and we have amazing cocktail recipes, all of which I've created, all of which are on our website, 21seeds.com or our Instagram at 21seeds. If you're looking for easy at-home cocktail solutions, I'm your girl. Um, I have them for you. I, I, I love making them and I feel like it really comes across in our cocktails. Um, so I knew I was going to be responsible for all of that stuff. What I hate doing I hate it. And that's when you're looking for partners, look, find people who love to do things you hate to do, right? Those are the best partners and stay out of their way. Once you make them your partners, don't get involved anymore, you know? And so it was sort of like with my sister, Nicole, she's an amazing CFO, has had an incredible career in that space, CFO, operations, HR. She kind of thinks she's a lawyer, even though she's not She's watched a lot of Law and Order, and she just fancies herself like I object, Your Honor. She's the girl, um, so I knew she could handle all of that stuff. And so I went to her. She had a full time job. She was a CFO. She's a mom. She was a mom then. She was a full time CFO of a huge company. And I said to her, Sister, you know that tequila I've been making all these years. Do you want to start the tequila company with me? And she said yes because one time when she was traveling through India. She'd met like a fortune teller, like like a medium or yeah. I don't know exactly what the title of this woman was, but this woman told her, you will find you will make your biggest fortune partnering with family. No way. Wow. Yes. yes. And she believes in that stuff really a lot, you know, my <laughs> sister, you know, and which is ironic because she's like such a numbers person and I'm not a storyteller. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't really believe in that stuff that much, but she totally does. And um, so she said, yes. And that was exciting and cool because I thought she was going to be too busy and she wasn't. And she Um, quit her job or was she doing it on the side initially? Yes, yes. And it was her side hustle, which by the way, I think is, you know, listen, anyone who's listening, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you have another job and you're a mom, like we all have, it almost has to start as a side hustle because anyway, like if you're raising kids, it's already a side hustle. Anything else you're doing is a side hustle, right? So Um, I mean, and I just think that's the beauty of women, right? They're such multitaskers. They are so capable. They're the hardest workers out there, period, full stop. Like you want to, you want to get something done well at your company, hire a woman to do it, you know, is my belief. Uh, but anyway, so went to Nicole, she was on board, then went over to Sarika, who also, you know, had her whole career was in bringing, um, anything in the food industry. So food and beverage industry from like concept to shelf. She'd gone to Stanford. She's an engineer, super smart. Um, and she and I had been mom friends. Like we had met and she had come to my house for some cookbook parties that I was having. And just, we, we, we hit it off right away. She's a super curious person as well and loves to tinker and invent and create. So, um, I thought, she's the perfect person, went and asked her if she wanted to start 21 Seeds. And she said, yes, I do. Because she also, you know, had had it at my house and loved it and seen so many of our friends drinking it. And so we had our team. We had, you know, three, Sarka handled all the product stuff. Nicole handled all the finance and operations. And I was like, I was the CEO, kind of de facto. I mean, we didn't really have egos in it. Like it's, I actually thought Sarka should be the CEO. But anyway, beside the point, we did it and we were off to the races and we started to investigate what it takes to actually start a tequila company, which is actually, if you're going to start a spirits brand, the hardest one to do. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I know exactly. I've actually heard spirits. It was funny because you were saying, you know, it's very intimidating to create spirits. I know there's a lot of like conglomerates. It's very male dominated from my like high level research in the space. So that is definitely an industry that I could see is really tough. And it's not like you can tinker and create liquor in your kitchen. Like you have to really figure it out. So how did that not stop you? And what were those early stages where you're like, all right, where do I start to even create this thing? So we... First thing we did, which, you know, was not cheap, right? Um, but I really, there's areas to spend money and, you know, and areas that, that maybe you can save money. But when it comes to a lawyer, you know, and you're in a highly regulated industry, if that's what you're going into, get a good lawyer. And we did. And we had, it was a very expensive lawyer, but, you know, we were like, okay, let's write down every single question that we have. Let's see if we can get these answers, you know, through Google. We didn't have ChatGPT back then, um, so we couldn't use that. But like through people we knew, and then let's hone in, get an even tighter list of questions, and then we're not going to be making friends with this lawyer, right? Like, because as women, we love to chitty chat and you know make friends with everyone, and like we're like, no, so we don't have that extra money. Hour. It's very expensive, <laughs> exactly. So don't do that. Cause they'll talk, right? Yeah, and they'll so, talk, and I literally oh, get the bill, and I'm like, you're "What? Like, you're talking to me?" <laughs> I mean, I'm like, "Who is? Was this therapy? What is happening here? You know, what's going on here?" So we literally, you know, went met with the lawyer, and that really saved us. You know, really answered all the the big big things. Um, you know, the fact that you have to make tequila down in Mexico. There's a governing body down there. There's a lot of things around tequila that are very specific. And that really pointed us in the right direction and got, you know, it's sort of like a scavenger hunt. And that's, that's when, and you, you really have to like pull on every thread. And this is where, you know, if you want to start your own business, it's good to be curious, right? Because I would say we, that whole first sort of year as we were developing this and the concept and figuring out if we can actually make what I was making in my kitchen. Cause I said, you know, to Sarika, who was our product person, I said, if it's, if it doesn't taste as amazing as it does in my house, in my kitchen, then I don't want to make it because that's the goal, right? The goal is to make something that is super delicious, tastes as good as it was made, you know, when I, we were doing it in small batches, um, but at scale. And if we couldn't do that, I didn't want to do it because I was actually just really trying to solve this problem for myself. And now so many other folks that were drinking this infused tequila were agreeing it solved this problem for them as this easy alternative to wine. If it didn't taste good, you know, then it wasn't going to solve the problem. So that was the the the, the t sort of toughest part because nobody was infusing tequila down in Mexico when we went down to Mexico to do this. So we really had to innovate and find partners down there that were willing to innovate with us and take a chance on first timers, right? None, the three of us weren't from the spirits industry. So in many ways, you know, there we people had to take chances uh, on us because that in other ways, because we weren't from the spirits industry, you know, we got to, we benefited from that because we could come from an outsider's, with an outsider's perspective and approach it the way that we wanted to approach it, especially in how we marketed the brand and, you know, where we went to sell the brand. Uh, we kind of did it in reverse order than is typically done in the spirits industry. And I think that was because we were outsiders and we didn't, we didn't have a lot of these preconceived notions, right? People saying, you can't do that. You can't, it's not how it's done. We were like, well, we just, we are just going to do what we think is right. What we think is best. We're going to come at it from a very practical way. And we just thought we're going to make a product. Number one, most important thing. It has to be extraordinary in how it tastes. And we did that. And once we had that extraordinarily delicious tasting product, we were like, okay, now let's go find her. Right. That was our next goal was to go find her because we really made this product first and foremost for our moms out there. Like first and foremost, truly, truly. And when you don't have a big marketing budget and you're just getting going, you know, I think our personal approach is to really hone in on a customer and know her the way you know. She's like your lead actress in your script, in your story. And you need to know everything about her, right? Solve every single one of her pain points. And once you know that girl, like for us, once we knew that mom, we were like, okay, now we know exactly where to find her because we know who we're looking for, right? And that's so important. Whenever, if you're making a product or a service 
you want to start a company, you've got to know who your customer is. And eventually, if you do your job right, and again, you make that product taste great, work great, whatever, solve all the pain points for that one hero, you know, heroine in your movie, the lead actress, she's going to tell everybody about it. She's going to tell everybody about it. And that's the thing about moms. Moms, like one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals like her and her 10 friends, right? And that's exactly what happened with us, right? We focused on her. She told everybody. Now we have many people drinking 21 seeds, not just moms, right? Dads drink it. Friends drink it. Trainers drink it. You know, nutritionists drink it. You know, everyone's drinking it now. But it really started with this mom army of ours, um, these women who just fell in love with it, fell in love with our story. The brand, the way it tasted, it solved her pain points, was easy to use, it's half the calories of a glass of wine if she was making it into a spritz. So she was like, what's not to love, right? Plus there were these three moms who were making it. And we were, you know, on Instagram and, and on social media, like showing her how to use it, right? Because it's new and different. And that's the other piece of it. It's like, make a great product, figure out who your customer is, go find her, and then show her what to do with your product. And that's the winning formula. Oh my gosh, I have goosebumps because all of this that you're saying resonates so much and is so, so true. I have a million questions, so I'm just going to go through. What I love that you said, I want to underscore this, is that because I have a lot of friends and just people who reach out to me on DM who listen to the podcast who ask me about like finding the right manufacturer, you know, whatever industry that is. And you said something that I think is important is it takes time. Like people maybe have four or five phone calls are like, oh gosh, this is so hard. I'm like, no, no, that's part of the process. And even for you, you said it took a year. And then once you probably found someone, you have to convince them. And that's where your storytelling comes in. But I just want to share that because I don't want people to feel like, no, this isn't the right fit for me. It's like, no, ask questions, keep going because that's just like everyone's journey. So I love that you kind of talked about it. And then the next step is really understanding your customer and targeting that. And I'm curious, did you guys actually raise money before? Do you mind kind of talking about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just one thing you said, Yasmin, that's so important. We ha also have conversations with people who've tried to do what you want to do and failed. Those are just as important, those conversations, you know, and because those people, you know, misery loves company, right? And so those people are like, oh, you shouldn't do it because yeah. I tried it and I failed. And you're like, okay, tell me more about why you failed. Or like, you know, then you ask them a million questions. And I got to tell you, one of the things that saved us so much time in bringing 21 Seeds to market as quickly as we did was something we learned in exactly that conversation with someone who had tried to make a tequila failed. And the reason, one of the reasons they failed was this this thing, anyway, it's a minor detail, but it was a big deal for us. And that alerted us to this little thing we had to get done. And so it was like, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had the conversation with someone who had tried and failed and actually tried to convince us not to do it. You know, and how did you know this person? Did you just kind of find them through network or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Basically uh, what you have to do is cast a very wide net. Like any, any, any human really that touches your product in any way you know, for us, it was like whether they owned a restaurant or a bar or, you know, were, a, a, you know, someone who'd invested in a spirits brand or whether they knew they had a friend, you know, you really start to like dig into your network and yeah. you have to be, you know, you, you have to be bold about it, right? You can't be shy. You got to say, hey, I really, you know, who do you know in the space and list out the things. And that's the other thing is like, nobody owes you anything, right? Nobody owes any of us anything. You're coming to someone for help, for their time, for their context. Like be kind, try to be funny. People love humor, you know, and, uh, and just try to, if they can't help you, then just try to always leave on an upbeat, positive note, because then people want to talk to you again. So uh, initially the three of us put in uh, the seed money to, figure out, and it wasn't a lot, but we just wanted to make sure we could actually bring the product to market. Like if we, because we were innovating, nobody was making infused tequila back then. We thought, okay, why not? You know, like maybe you can't make it, you know? So we needed to make sure that we could actually make it. And so we did, and that took up the seed money. And then we did two more rounds of fundraising you really, you really do need to in for spirits. If for anyone out there looking to start a spirits brand, like you have to raise money to start a spirits brand. It's, it's not something you can sort of bootstrap, like the way you might be able to bootstrap technology, you know, in your garage say, but that's not the case when you're making a physical product, be prepared to raise money. Um, and we raised money from 
friends and family. And we really focused on um, trying to raise money from women. In fact, when we ended up, we sold our company, we had a very successful exit, which we're very proud of. Um, an incredible exit by a female founded spirits brand, by the way, like I think probably the biggest ever in history. I mean, I don't know every single deal that's happened, but like uh, it was a, it was an amazing exit. And when we sold, we were predominantly female funded, which is really amazing and rare. And we were very focused on trying, if we had female investors who wanted to come in uh, to a round that we were raising, even if we had already hit the number we were trying to raise, we just extended it to let all the women in. Because, you know, we were, you know, in Silicon Valley, a lot of women don't get the opportunity to early invest in stuff. So we wanted to make sure that if there was a woman out there that was looking to invest, we were, uh, we were willing to take her money, which was important for us. But yeah, we did do two rounds. We ended up raising all of our money from friends and family uh, because I do want to say it's tough out there, guys and girls, like especially ladies. It's really tough out there for female entrepreneurs. We were a full female team. Um, and, you know, my sister, who had has raised as a CFO of many companies, you know, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of her career, she said to us, listen, it's going to be tough. You know, um, it's hard out there for institutional money, you know, from VCs or private equity. Like, they just don't want to take a chance on female founders, especially on female founders in a space where they don't have a track record. So just know that. And, um, you know, listen, when we went out to do our second round of financing, we were successful at that point. You know, we were selling, and I like this as a benchmark, you know, people often ask me, you know, how do you know that this thing is working, right? Like, how do you know that somebody actually wants the brand that you built, the product you've created? And I think it happens when, you know, more, more, you're selling more bottles for us. Like we're selling more bottles of 21 seeds than people I know and people they know, right? Like, so sort of that extended network, like it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, we just launched the brand and we sold out, you know, cause you only made, you know, 300 cases say or something. And yeah, that's probably your friends, your family and their friends and family, right? So once you go beyond your sphere of influence, that's when, and you start to see reorders, like that's when you know you're onto something, you know? And um, I think at that point when we went for our second fundraise, you know, we were onto something and it was still really, really hard for us to raise money from institutional people. So we just went back to friends and family again um, and said, listen, who's in? And fortunately we, you know, we, we were able to raise the money we needed, but it was not easy guys. And it's a full-time job. So know that, um, be prepared for you know, within your households for that moment, right? Because when you're raising money as, um, as a, an, as an entrepreneur in a startup, you're now taking on a second full-time job, right? So whatever your full-time job is, which is probably wearing 10 hats in a startup, right? That's probably already 80 hours a week. When you raise money, just tack on another 40 hours a week onto that 80 hours and then if you're a mom, tack that on too, right? So just know that like talk to your spouse or whoever's at home or family, extended family, and just say, hey guys, I'm going to be raising money over the next month or two or three months. You know, it usually takes about 90 days. Um, it's going to be tough at home, right? I'm going to need everyone to pitch in here. And I think if you let people know what to expect, it makes it a little smoother, but it's, a, it's definitely bumpy. No, I love that you gave kind of like a behind the scenes of like all hands on deck and like making sure you have that support because sometimes women listen in who have kids and they're seeing these founders and they're like, how are they doing that both? And it's like, no, no, the reality is there's a whole army behind the scenes. And especially when you're raising money, like you're over communicating, hey, this is going to be a tough three months. Like I need support and you and your husband, it looks like you had figured that out. So clearly, you know, even though you've successfully raised through friends and family, I'm sure you guys were still scrappy. So how did you, you mentioned the beautiful aspect of you and your two co-founders of launching the business is you didn't create awareness and market the way typical spirits brand do. So what did you guys do, especially because I know you guys were scrappy to really get the product off the ground? I know you briefly mentioned social media. So I would love to kind of walk through that. Absolutely. So again, we were very focused on, again, not just women, but moms, right? Like 
within the category, super hyper-focused, uh, which again, you need to, to, to do when you don't have a lot of money. And then we thought, okay, where does she discover brands, right? We thought about that. We asked that question, where does she discover brands? And it was either through friends, you know, um, on Pinterest, right? You're putting together a party. What, what cocktail should I serve, right? So Pinterest, um, through friends, so Facebook, Instagram, right? Driving those easy at-home cocktail solutions constantly. Um, and then we did a, a lot of collabs, right? We reached out to other like-minded brands, right? Like other brands that we loved, right? Because we were three moms. So we had like a built-in focus group. And plus we had our extended network of moms. So we really knew this girl. We knew this mom. And um, we we kind of looked at the brands that we loved and those brands probably, they spoke to us and probably tended to have mom customers. Um, and so we reached out to those brands through DM guys. So don't be shy. Like DM people, if you're a founder reaching out to another brand, it goes miles. Like people love to, to, to meet other founders, it, especially a lot of these brands were female founded as well. So female founders especially love to meet other female founders. Um, so we would just reach out to brands and say, Hey, listen, we'd love to do a giveaway together. Or, you know, in our case, you know, are you, are you going to be doing any events that you might need some tequila for, you know? And, um, and so we were, we were able to, to do that. And so just depending on what your product is, like reaching out to other brands, giveaways are fantastic way to, to tap into other people's audiences and make them aware of your brand in a fun way that's memorable, you know? So we did a lot of that. And then um, for us, in our case, a lot of tastings, right? Like to get people to try. So, and thinking through like, okay, what's a fun experience for them to, and to first be introduced to our brand, right? And so really thinking through like, what kind of a live events could we participate in that would be fun where we could make delicious cocktails like our easy spicy margarita, which is so yeah. delicious, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of like what we did. And we kept it really simple, just that. And just as much as we would say yes to stuff, we would say no to stuff, right? If, if, if we didn't have, if somebody reached to us uh, whose audience was not this audience we were going for, that core customer that we were looking for, in the beginning, we said no, because even bottles of tequila that you use as samples and, you know, you do in a, in a way that's legal, you know, which is a way you have to do it in spirits. There has to be a bar. Anyway, boring stuff there, but like, it's not free, you know, yeah. even samples cost mm -hmm. money, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything costs money. So you have to say no to just as much stuff. And we said no to some stuff that people would probably be shocked at just to be like, why wouldn't you, you know, give that celebrity tequila? It's like, well, they're not our target demo. So we don't want to do anything that isn't focused and serves our core customer this early on. I love that. And it's actually so true. And even like from my own experience, and we've been live with our product for two years, there's these micro influencers who are very specific in talking to our audience do significantly better when they're just like talking about our product just organically versus like a celebrity doctor who might not necessarily be in our space, who might people might know of a little bit more, but like the sales are very different behind the scenes. And a lot of people don't know that. So I love the focus that you had so early on, because I think sometimes people can get intimidated or um, distracted by celebrities, which I think might be helpful. But if it's not the right fit, it's not going to pull in those numbers that you expect. And you're just going to be like wasting the time to get it there. And I don't know, just my experience. <laughs> no, totally. And I find now, especially too, um, I think we've evolved, you know, influ I love influencers. I think influencers are great. I'm influenced by influencers, right? Like there's, but again, I think it's shifted now and it's really more about creators. You know, I, there's certain people I follow because they make, you know, better for you food recipes that I enjoy. And so, and if that person is like trying to sell me a Volvo, I kind of don't care, you know, but like if they're selling me, you know, an Our Place pan and that's, you know, uh, then that's great. Or if, you know, if it's a better for you chef that's making, say, better for you Mexican food, then 21 seeds for a skinny, you know, spicy margarita makes sense, right? And those are the kind of influencers, I think, that, you know, really move the needle for, for us, especially back, you know, when we were little, um, when we were just little. 
little, <laughs> I love it, which is not too long ago. So I know I'm fast forwarding, just being mindful of time. You know, you clearly, you guys created a product that really resonated that didn't exist out there. And I think taste and quality is huge. So having a good product, being scrappy, getting it out there, word of mouth seems like, especially in the early days was incredible. Um, and you had that luck. I mean, luck is something you create and I think timing is everything. And I know with COVID you mentioned earlier, that really took you guys to another level. And, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, you guys ended up selling, which is wild in three years to Diageo. So tell me maybe a little bit more about this. Did you think you would ever sell the company early on? And what was that process? Like, were you excited to sell? Like, I can't even imagine as a founder three years in getting that to my table and being like, wait, what? Diageo wants to buy us? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it was it was so exciting because um, we knew ultimately we would sell because we didn't want, you know, we weren't looking to like own a distillery and it's at a certain scale, you kind of need to own the whole stack. And, um, and we, so we knew we didn't want to do that. So we knew we wanted at some point to sell the company. We did not think it was going to happen this fast. Um, but we very quickly became the number one in flavored tequila in the country, like very fast. And again, a little bit of luck, right? Like we, we did have some celebrity help in that, you know, Jessica Alba found the brand early on and oh like gosh, posted about it and said it was her favorite adult beverage. Katie Couric, you know, gave us this huge shout out, you know, in New York Magazine that very first summer when she discovered the brand, which then the Today Show saw us and then Oprah, you know, Oprah put us on her O list, like straight out the gate. And the quote was, it's delicious. You're welcome, America. So oh like all of these things like domino effect, like which shows you, you know, at the end of the day, celebrity women are the same as regular women. When they find a product they love, they want to tell tell other people about it. And so, and this was so great because they were, you know, just true authentic fans. So that I think really, again, bit of luck, catapulted our awareness really fast. So people started trying the product and they were loving it and telling their friends about it. We call it like our seed squad now of just like fans out there who just love this product. And she, my favorite stories are the stories of them telling us like people that they turned on to the brand. I love those kind of DMs. Um, but what I love about how we did this is be, is that, you know, history is written by the winners, right? Like that, that, so to have this exit be, you know, there was before there was never a big exit in flavored tequila. Like we kind of invented this category of infused tequila for sure. And we became number one, it's three women, and we sold to the biggest spirits brand in the world that owns Don Julio and Casamigos and Kettle and just the biggest brands in the, in the world in spirits, global brand. And here, these three moms did that. And that's just, it's amazing. It's amazing for our daughters. Like all three of us have a daughter. We each have, you know, my two co-founders, we have a boy and a girl, both all of us. But like our daughters saw that. And uh, like, for example, my daughter at her school, she started a company called Sip It, which is infused <laughs> water. I love it. And yep. And so, you know, that's amazing to me. Right. And I think that she saw her mom raise her and then she saw her mom build this company and sell it. And we got a lot of, you know, press from that and just notoriety. And like, again, it's written by the winners and to, to have you know, to go into this male dominated space and to be so successful as three, three moms, I think it's really cool. And it's great for the next gen and all those women out there who are looking to get into the space. They now have something that they can point to and be like, and what's really cool is when you go into Diageo, there's like a founder's wall and it's pretty much all men. Oh <laughs> and my gosh. there's like our photo and it's pretty amazing. Again, something tangible that's always going to be there because some of those photos are like in black and white from like a long time ago, some of these brands. Oh my gosh. I am just so inspired by your journey and really just like three moms who wanted to really make a huge dent in an industry that is like the hardest thing with men. But I think it just shows like, do something that you love, that you're passionate about, that you're, you have the gut and intuition that like, 
you enjoy and you know that this is a problem that you could solve and also not to make it a bigger deal in your head. And you were just doing it at home with your friends. Like it's so easy for all of us to test out these different products on the side before we create a pro um, like a business around it. So I just love your entire story. And I feel like we could have, I know I didn't go into all the details, so sorry, everyone listening. We got to do like a part two one day, but just so inspired by everything you've built and just your vulnerability to showcase and share it all. But Kat, you are amazing. So proud of you and love everything that you're doing. Ah, oh, thank you so much. I love hearing that. I love, love, love telling our success stories because I feel as women, we don't do it enough and we, yes. need to, we need to do it more. And hopefully this inspires someone to go out there and, and start their own sip it. <laughs> like, like Abigail, my daughter. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.